This is WMUA Amherst, and you are listening to... my future wife Robin at a very fancy engagement party in Manhattan and we danced a while and then the night was starting to come to an end and she and I and a bunch of other people went down to the street and I remember being on the sidewalk and the other people her included wanted me to go out they said come on come on out with us and I said no no I can't go out I'm a blue-collar man I got work in the morning and I didn't know it at the time But this made a big impression on Robin. She really liked that. And by blue collar, I don't want to exaggerate here. It's not like I was laying bricks or anything. What I was at that time was a tour guide on the double-decker buses in New York City working for Gray Line. And there were a lot of aspects of that job that really were kind of blue collar. But the other thing is I was an artist and I was a performer. I had been trying many, many years to get famous in New York City, so I had this whole other life that was going on. And I'd perform sometimes at pretty big venues and work really hard to do rock operas and novels and stuff like that. A couple weeks later, we were up on 46th Street on our first date. And during the first date, I told her about my job and about how much I loved my job. And she was really just captivated by me talking about this job in a way that no other woman had been. And from that, I could tell that we were probably going to be well-matched. As time proceeded, in the next couple months, we started falling into one another. We started going out, and we started becoming an item. Well, a couple months later, Robin goes down to South Carolina to visit her grandmother. And she comes back. I can tell that she's actually pretty distracted. But basically, she says, you know what? I had a talk with my grandma, Grandma Prudence. And Grandma Prudence kind of, well, she wondered what kind of life you could give me as a tour guide. And I could tell that she didn't totally agree with this, but you know, I could tell that part of her did agree with it. That she was trying to figure out if I was just gonna be a good time guy. You know, a tour guide, an artist, a bohemian, someone that she could spend a little time with, but maybe not that serious. And I have to say, although I didn't like this either, it kind of made me think, what job would I do if I wasn't an artist? And I think even that night I said, you know what, I think if I wasn't an artist, I'd want to be a history teacher. Because I thought back on the people who had made such a big impact on me. And my history teachers, Cleary and Lillian at Concord Carlisle High School in Eastern Mass, really did that. But the fact is, I really was lost. I had been an artist for 15 years, and I had no idea how to get from that to being a history teacher. I had to actually finish my undergraduate degree. I didn't have my undergraduate degree even. And then one day I was up on the west side. I was biking along the Hudson and I had taken a seat and I was looking across into New Jersey thinking about it and I actually got a friend on the phone and I was talking to them about it and they said, you know what, you should look into Empire State College. You have all this experience and they'll actually give you credit for your prior experience if you write it up. So look into it. And so I did and I applied And I got in, and months later, it was my first day, and I was going to be oriented at the college. I was walking over. I had my apartment over on Elizabeth Street on the east side, 
And it was this really beautiful spring into summer day. And I walked along Houston Street over to the west side to this kind of like this fluorescent cinder block building on the west side that was the center campus of this Empire State College. And I felt going into that building and and going into that elevator that I kind of felt that I was turning myself in, that I was this fugitive artist that was finally ready to turn themselves in and join the respectable world. And I go up into the room where the orientation is taking place, and I actually see my really close friend Bridget, who's going out with my dear friend Danny Leo, and we're sitting next to each other. Turns out that she's turning herself in too. And we're sitting there in the orientation in this big fluorescent wall-to-wall carpet room. And after about 20 minutes in, there's a ripple. And I just felt like something had happened. But no one's saying anything. Um, After a couple minutes, I think I go for my phone, or someone finally says, Michael Jackson died. And there I was, in kind of this banal zone, being oriented into Empire State College, hearing about this super famous and super talented person passing away and kind of my old bohemian self passing away at the same time and myself who had taken a run at fame and fortune now in this kind of simple room and then Bridget and I we went we went after that orientation and hit the streets of New York we went and found her boyfriend now husband Danny and we decided to get a drink together of course everyone talking about Michael Jackson Michael Jackson music pouring from every car, from every restaurant, from every spot in the city. And we had our drink, and in some ways it felt like that last drink of freedom, like my last moments as a true bohemian. And the orbit of New York City, and that idea of being a famous artist, it's just so strong. I needed a lot of fuel to break me free. And my wife, Robin, and the belief I had in our future, it gave me that fuel. But Grandma Prudence, down in South Carolina, she gave me some of that fuel, too. Hello, and welcome to Barbarian in the Valley. From the background music, you may have already figured it out. We're doing something different this week. This week, it's a work shift special, an episode dedicated to a profession and all that goes along with that profession. This week, we'll be talking to my buddy, Joe. If you've been listening to our show, he's in the Joyride episode, caught on the back of a motorcycle going 170 miles per hour. Joe owns the excellent and successful Arte Salon on Elizabeth Street in downtown Manhattan. But for our conversation, we're going to go back in time. Back when Joe was just a kid in Brooklyn, Queens. Barely going to high school, barely able to graduate, while at the same time, seriously, falling in love. You're in high school. So and you, did you leave high school halfway through your senior year? Is that what high happened? High school was, was, and it will, to this day, I feel it will always, like, slap me these memories that I had amazing memories but it was always like you fool you know you should have went to school you know taking it serious but I didn't take it serious you're saying high school or college high school so for six months I didn't go to school thinking that I'm okay I'm not gonna go to school I'm not thinking okay I'm not gonna graduate I'm not gonna go to school and I still graduate and that was not the case guidance counselor said 
you are going down the drain. You're not graduating on time. And I was like, what are you talking about? Why did you think you were going to graduate on I time? I had no idea. I, had, I thought I was like, I thought my suave. You would look good enough to graduate, basically. Look good enough to graduate. They're gonna, oh, he looks really good. We like, <laughs> he's got the Halston jumpsuit. Let, oh, Joe. Dun, 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 Halston <laughs> jumpsuit. Joseph Ortelli in the Halston <laughs> ensemble. With the Halston, the law. I I mean, remember I, Halston? You just stopped going to school. Now, what did your parents think of that? They were working. They were worried. They had no idea. We, oh, they didn't know? They didn't know. No. What were you doing? Just hanging out with girls, drinking, yeah. hanging out, diners, just hanging out. For six really, months you were just hanging six out? Six months, just hanging out. People's homes, getting drunk, acting like buffoons. Just. Were your buddies also not oh, going we to all school? Doing it. We were all doing it. They were like, oh, come on, forget about it. It's interesting to me because you've become very successful, and I feel like your buddies have actually done really well, too, for people who were basically not going to high school in Brooklyn. This is what I was is, talking about regarding this generation. And no offense to this generation, but regarding we knew in our hearts and in our minds that we knew that we're going to get a job. We knew that we're, when, it's, when it's time to work really hard to like turn on the power, we're going to do it. We knew that. We knew we could get a job. We just had the time to, to, to waste regarding, okay, you know what, I'm going to mess around. This was your honeymoon. This is my honeymoon, exactly, because I know once I'm out of high school, it's going to be construction, electrical construction, physical work, or a trade. That was it. We knew that. It was those four major things that we knew we were going to get in. Or we'll find a girl that her father has a business, which came, which I got. Let's I got. talk about that. Was cop and fireman on the table or not really? Uh, Doesn't sound like yeah, it. Yeah, we didn't. No, we didn't. It was, it was not a thing. Okay. It was, you your know, parents were in construction. Farming, yeah, you know, I was like, it was, we knew that was dangerous. We didn't want to, you know, the danger was not, we didn't feel like we needed to save people. Especially you know? back then. Yeah, it was, and it was serious. Yeah, being yeah. a fireman was dangerous back then. Yeah. The Bronx. So, you, your girlfriend was Grace. Yeah. Grace's dad. High-end barbershop. High-end. In Great Nick. Which is a, a money uh, town. Uh, money town, Long Island. From Sicily, strict, hard work, and again, same culture as my parents. And here's a guy that worked in a mattress factory and became a head, uh, a barber, and became very, very successful. Was he good at what he did? Yeah, I think he was. He was good, but he provided his family. You know, he drove around in a Cadillac. You know, once you had that, I was like a sign of like, whoa. You know, lived in Howard Beach was a huge like very successful you know and was it his business it was his business um, so when you met grace you were working yeah that was probably good for you because dad if he thought you weren't working yeah he, you know he, he would be like this guy's a bum or whatever but i was still going to school but he knew i was not going to go to some great school he could tell i was not into school. education and all that but um so you're doing that you graduate six months later six months later you graduate and then Grace's dad has a conversation with you. He was a man with a lot of respect. He will give respect and he wanted respect regarding how he looked, who was around him, his family, his girls. He had two daughters. And, uh, which I respect now, now that I'm a, a dad. And all he wanted was, he said to me, 
in life, you need a trade or an education. And so seeing what you're doing, I know you're not gonna go to college, and I know education is not your thing. So you need a trade, anything. You need something, because if you don't have that, you're literally gonna go down the drain. And I really, really took it to heart. And here was the first time a male, an adult male figure who was really serious that I saw was like, wow. Outside made, of your father. My dad would always say, become a doctor and a lawyer. I'm like, please. I hated school. How am I going to become a doctor and a lawyer? You know, his reach was, a, become a doctor or a lawyer or you're going to become a carpenter. I didn't want to become a carpenter. We do not want to become what our parents Why were. did you not want to become a carpenter? It was just like, that's what your dad did. You don't want to, you want to stay, you want to get away from that. That was, that's the mission in life, right. you know, so, which is... What was Grace's dad's name? Angelo. Angelo, Angelo Musumeci. Okay, well, that's a good name. So, you know, I was in love with her. We were like, okay, puppy love, whatever, and, and I said, you know what? I'll become a hairdresser. His eyes opened up like a Christmas tree. He was, kept it quiet, his eyes went, because good, good. Because now tell your parents that you want to be a hairdresser. That was the hard part because I was going to Queensborough Community College then, which to me, any community college, no offense to community college, we all need a stepping stone for the next stone. But it was like equivalent to like, I did so bad in high school that, you know, I gotta have to hang out here for another two years. And I was like, you know what? And at that time I was studying computer technology because that was the whole, computers were like the whole thing then. Yeah. And that was it. I said, yeah, I'm gonna what be What did your parents say? Well, because they saw that I was in love with her and they saw I was, you know, I was gonna get involved with that family and they absolutely loved her and they saw how well off they were, they were like, okay, if that's what you wanna do, great. So you left school? I left school, um, got myself at beauty school, Robert Fiance. Where was that? That was on Fifth Avenue and 33rd Street. Okay. For $3,000. Three grand's not, that's a lot. It was a lot. For how long? Eight months. Was it intensive? Yeah, it was eight. It was a full 40 hour week. 40 hour week, yeah. Monday through Friday from 9 to 4, whatever it was. So that was it. I became, uh, I went to beauty school, graduated. So the dad's like, great. Did you like beauty school? I took it serious. It's the first time I took, a, it was like, this is serious. To me, it was like taking the train in, going into Manhattan. You know, getting the train, getting on the bus, train, and Explore Manhattan for the first time. I'm like, wow, this is a city. Because and you wouldn't go into the city that much as there's a There's no need. There's no need. It was really nothing you here. You couldn't navigate the city. You didn't know how to navigate the city. First week, I was getting lost. My point of reference was Empire State Building is there. Keep walking towards that. Because it, it was near there. It was near there, right. Yeah. Exactly. It was right there. And once I discovered Manhattan, that was wow. And then I started, I discovered it so well, I started driving into Manhattan with my Cadillac. That was a whole other issue, but... Um, so, you graduate from beauty school. What did your friends think about you being in beauty school? Did, you, did they give you a hard time about it? No, uh, not really. Again, you know why? The reason why is because I was connected with Angela Musumeci, who was going to be maybe my father-in-law, or what you know, who had a badass business in Great Neck, cutting hair, and he even said, he goes, once you graduate, I'll start you with $500 cash a week. That was a lot of money. I was like, wow. But I said, you know what? Thank you. I thought about it. I played like, oh yeah, oh, we're making money. 
but once I discovered Manhattan, it was like. Okay, so he that offer was out there. That offer was out there. He said, then go to you know, then he actually advised me, you know, get some training, go work at a salon and so forth. But I already had my eyes and heart set at the top of the top salons on Madison Avenue. Now we'll get back to Joe in just a minute. Obviously he'd caught the Manhattan bug and that Brooklyn, Queens borderland where he lived had started to lose its shine. But through the magic of cellular technology, I was able to get a little perspective on this time in Joe's life by calling his buddy, Jack. The pair of them were thick as thieves in high school, both partners in crime and at the same time, always competing with one another. Let's hear from Jack. Hey, is that Jack? First of all, Hello? I want to say I want to say sorry about the Yankees. You know, <laughs> I, don't worry. how would you describe yeah. Joe at eighteen? Wow, he's a sharp dude. He was always a sharp dressing guy. Uh, I, in the beginning, wanted to be like him. We just clicked immediately. I mean, just like boom, like that it was magic. And, you know, we just continued, obviously, being friends and uh, partying. He got me into a lot of trouble, you know, with not trouble with the law, but just parents, his parents. There was a lot of times, again, in high school where I was just like, you know, this is my best friend, man. You, you know, I'm my best friend. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm going to kill you. You know, I was that guy. You know, I was yeah. that guy. <laughs> you guys were in the Sicilian Sons together, right? <laughs> yes, you are. We were. Well, that was like a fluke thing. And we came up with this name, Sicilian Sons, and he was one of the original members. And then we bought shirts. We made shirts, Sicilian Sons t-shirts. And this this thing just took off, man. It's just, I don't even know. I think about it now. I'm 55 years old. I was, what, now 17? And I put that shirt on, and people were, like, begging me to be a Sicilian son. We were not a gang. Wow. If I close my eyes, if I wanted to go back in time, I wouldn't want to go back in time to that again. <laughs> what did you think about it when he decided to become a hairdresser? Oh, man. I thought it was great. <clears throat> he was dating a girl who his father, her father, was a hairdresser. was a, you know, barbershop guy. And uh, I told him, man, that's, this is great. You, you you are made to be this because, you know, he's he's a fashion guy, you know? He's a... He's a he's a he's a dress guy. He's he's a he's a it guy. You know what I'm saying? He mm-hmm. he's got that look. He's got that thing. You know, that's him. That's him because he is uh you know he's Manhattan Joe. He, let me tell you something. Um, when I introduced Grace, when he asked me he asked me to introduce Grace to him, I mean he just you know his whole head lit up. This was it. This was a, some girl that he needed to meet. And I hooked him up with her. We had a double date with him and his cousin, uh, her and her cousin. And they hooked up, and they had a great relationship. But, yeah, yeah, I mean, he... If he had married Grace, would he have found his way into Manhattan? Oh, wow. I, I don't think so, no. Uh, Grace is more, like, traditional, like, let's low-key kind of, uh, well, you know, let's, let's do what my father did and... and <laughs> No, I don't think he would have found his way in Manhattan. He might have been not happy with his work and what he was doing. Did you feel like there was a certain point where Joe really committed to Manhattan? Oh, that was after Grace. It was way a little, you know, a little time after Grace. 
but he made his way over there quickly. He really did. It was a quick, quick thing. What was Angelo Musumeci like? How would you describe him? Old school Italian dude, and Joe wanted no part of that. Joe wanted to go the left way, you know, not the right way. That guy, his his supposedly future father at the time, scared him. He didn't want to be like that. He didn't want to be like that. And that's what that's what turned him back, turned him off with Gracie, but he loved Gracie a lot. Oh, you know. Would, were you ever kind of like sad to see him go in that direction, just personally? No, not at all. No, no, no. I was excited for him. I was, you know, you 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 got some balls. He killed it. He killed it. He knocked it out. All right, let's get back to Joe. Last we saw him, he was straddling the East River, one foot in Brooklyn, Queens, one foot in Manhattan. We get to see now which way he's going to jump, which really is not much of a surprise, but also takes stock and inventory in what he left behind. So you graduated beauty school. Your potential father-in-law offers you a job. You respectfully decline. Tell me how you get the job in the salon that you stayed at for a while. President of Robert Fionn's first day of school, first day, he said, he said, when you start looking for a job, you don't start from the bottom and go up. You start from the top. You pick the best of the best. And then you work your way down if you don't get that. I'm like, when he said that, I'm like, thank you. When I was about to graduate, I started making my connections in school. Again, making connections. Making the connections. How? Whatever. Robert Fionn's. These are the owners. They know the owners from salons. Da da da. What, what school? What salon would you recommend? Oh, go to David Danes. Go to Vidal Sassoon. Go to these salons. These are the ones. Again, building that relationship. And how I did that was a whole other story. You know, sending like dozens of stuff artichokes because I heard they love artichokes. Hmm. I'm like, Ma, you got to make some artichokes for these guys. They love artichokes. And now that's a whole other story regarding how I was able to scam 100 hours where I didn't even have to go to school for 100 hours by artichokes. That was to the school? That was the school. Huh. Well, we got to pick that up at some point. We got, that was brilliant. So you were a very good looking young man. Yeah. You were charismatic. You knew how to talk to people. You were, and you were in the hustle mode, right? Hus I was hustling all the time. Which is a gent a I would call it a gentle hustle. It was an it was an organic hustle. Yeah, yeah it's not like you're you're ripping anyone no, off. No, you no, just no, want to get no, to know people. About, yeah, get to know them. What can you do? What can we do here? So, what salon do you do you actually so end first up? First salon, David Danes, with a cream-colored, double-breasted suit, with a tie, with a tie, burgundy tie, with a burgundy scarf, silk matching. Get on the bus. Madison Avenue bus from 33rd all the way up to 69th. Get off the bus. Actually, the bus drops me off right in front of David Danes. On a Monday, doors open up. Shh. John Travolta walking down the street. I am not kidding you, man. I go into David Danes and I ask for the manager. It was Monday. He was in there. They look at me like, who's this guy? Is to, would, was that stylish for Uptown? Or I were have you... no idea. All I know is Uptown, you know, you wear a beautiful cream-colored suit. I don't know. I like the cream color, but oh, the double-breasted might double have... Double-breasted. That might have worked against you, although it was the 80s, beautiful. right? No, no. So great. there's a lot of double-breasted in the 80s, so, right? I mean, you don't an, see that anymore. It was an Italian suit that actually I had to buy because Angela Musumeci made me buy because we were going to a wedding, and again, I had to look good. Yeah. And he knew I didn't have a suit, and he takes me to some, like, high-end 
Guido boutique place somewhere in Kings Plaza in Brooklyn, and we get a suit. And I remember that suit was then five hundred dollars for that suit. Hmm. So I had that suit interview. They look at me and they say, "Okay, come back. Come on Friday and do a tryout." I did that. Try. I mean, you know, just get a model. They want to see what you can do. Um, it's funny. I think I couldn't get a model. I or some what my model canceled and so forth and so on and everyone thought I brought a transvestite but she wasn't it wasn't a transvestite you it, sure it could, I don't know it could have been yeah but anyway did the haircut you had to bring the model yeah that was how it worked that's how it worked they wanted to see what you can do so how did you get in touch with the model from school uh, went back to school I needed a model were they people that you had to pay for it no just say hey you want to be a model that was it I said oh of course okay that Friday night five o'clock Top salon, got the job. How big was that salon? It was a two-floor salon right next door to the Madison Your Bookstore. I would say over 2,000, 3,000 square feet. It was, it was pretty big. Yeah. You know, it was pretty big. It was about the size of your salon? Yeah. It actually, you know, it's funny. It, it's got that same... It's crazy, man. Huh. It's That's how, interesting. So your salon now actually is a salon, lot like, it's like the Now that you, you mentioned, it's like, wow, this is like a David... This is like no right. different than... When I started mm -hmm. 35 years ago, because mm -hmm. it was two floors, and that salon was two floors. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. All right. I get the job, taking it really serious. Again, dress code, white and beige. That's the dress code for dress the place? White shirt, beige pants. Two colors I'm not really crazy about. Oh, really? I think that's a good combo. I hated it. I did it for three weeks a month, and then I started adding my own colors. Mm-hmm. Manager's like, that's not the dress code. You need to wear the dress code. Okay. Week later, different colors. That's not the dress code. White and beige. In my mind. Uh, did you end up getting in trouble? So. Or did you get again? I was wearing my. I was dressing up now. I was showing these guys. Like, uh, this is an assistant, but I had my Guido shoes from Kings Plaza. And well, like, let me slow down here for a second because no. I'm trying to understand. You know I like Guido style. Yeah. But I'm wondering, on Madison Avenue, what people would have made of that. Would that be considered stylish in Manhattan, or was it considered a little bit Brooklyn? Not, it, well, Queens kind of thing. It was more Queens, yeah. I mean, did people think it was stylish? I know it's actually stylish. But now it is. Now, but it is. It, in, on Madison Avenue, American Gigolo comes. It was all Armani. It was all very prim and proper suits. And... You know, it was all, everything blended with beautiful colors and yeah. pastels, you know, it, it, grays. You know, it was all this stuff. You know, I'm talking about, you know, white shoes. You didn't wear white shoes with little stripes on the side, you know. So what do people make of your style? I couldn't, honestly, I was You're like, not sure. I couldn't care. I was like, you know, yeah. you know, my thing was like, I'm going to wear what I'm going to wear. And, um, and the owner saw like I had my own style and I was about to get fired and he said, no. We're gonna take this dress code and throw it out of the window. Really? He did. <laughs> and they all, everyone looked at me like all the assistants because we had a lot of. They were like, "Yes, huh. yes." I'm like, guys, you owe me. You, you all were, owe me, man. You were a I hero. I just broke the dress code, and the manager there, she looked at me like, "You, oh yeah, you, yeah." She broke and her. I'm like, I'm sorry, Karen. You know, like, huh. and that was it. So we broke the dress code. And was that just for assistance, the dress code? Yeah. Or was it for everyone? Just, just for assistance. assistance. Yeah. That makes sense. And we, and we, you know, and 
And that's a whole other story, but yeah, we broke it and that was it. So what were you doing as an assistant? What kind of jobs were you doing? Shampoos. Okay. Were you chatting people up? Shampoos, twice a week class, shampoos. I was doing the called the A1 shampoo. A1 shampoo, I was doing shampoos that, and I would just literally like lean my whole body on them. And just shampoo them like, huh. you know, I would have my Guido shirt open, my chains would be hanging a little. No, chains no, because he told me to take them off. No chains? No, the owner said, I was wearing a lot of chains then. He looked at me like, are you religious? <laughs> <laughs> he looked at me like, with his British accent. Very quiet, but you know, he's like, cross, horn, yep. another chain, Mr. T, flat. He says, uh, hi, mate. You're religious. I'm like, no, why? It's with the cross. <laughs> I mean, three inch cross. <laughs> and again, I took it so serious the next day. And that was the turning point. I took all my chains off and I put them away. That was the turning point of me, I tell you right now, now that I think about it, of me letting go of the Brooklyn Guido thing, if you want to call it. Hmm. It was a turning point where, you know what, now I'm in Manhattan and this is a different ballgame. This is real. You don't wear chains, you don't wear multiple chains. Hmm. You, don't, you don't want to look like a Guido. You know whatever that meant. You know, oh. you just even though you are who you are, and that's. But that's the, interesting though, because with the clothing, you pushed back, but with the chains, the you, chains was Mr. T. Was it was a real? But you're wearing chains now, but that's now. But this is just one. I had. Oh, I got two chains on. What yeah, am I? I mean, we're, I had a horn. Right. A horn, and now it's cool. Yeah, you, that's all cool, man. But yeah. you know, you got to, you know, John Travolta. You know, people. Then you know, when you're going into the eight, late '80s and going into like. You know, you're talking about now entering the world of uh, Annie Lennox. You're talking about, you know, Rasta music and all that. Yeah. It was all, you know, you didn't want to do that whole... Disco was different. It was, it was a whole different mood. And what year is this? Again, it was... Uh, it had to be... Mid-80s. Mid-80s. So 86. disco was dead for yeah. a while. Yeah, 86, 87, 88. Yeah. All right, let's... We'll come to that, yeah. but... You're an assistant. How long are you an assistant? A year. Are you a top assistant? Are you like totally clocking the place, basically? Yeah, like I was you're, doing you're, that. You're that was, I was just I was Mr. Charisma down I there. I was just not not. I was not. I was doing it to impress the managers and the owner. That was it. My mission is I'm gonna do haircuts to show you that I could do what I can do and impress them, and that was it. And so they put you on the floor after, after a year, year, which is pretty fast, right? Yeah. Uh, what, what, what was a year it? was good. Year usually it was like a year and a half. You know, I got on the floor maybe a, a half a year earlier. Let me come back. I want to ask you a question about the chains. I don't want to be too poetic about this, but when you put the chains away that night and you put Brooklyn and Queens to sleep, was <coughs> that kind of the end of things with you and Grace in a way too? I mean, mm. yes, subconsciously or consciously, it was. That was. It wasn't that it was over. But it was a turning point where I knew I didn't want to be a hairdresser in Great Neck. I knew I didn't want to be a barber in Great Neck, no matter what the money was. I was like, it was turning. You know, I'm, I'm like, you know, Frank Sinatra, I did it my way. That song kept getting louder and louder until, yeah, I'm doing it my way. Did you start, like, is there a lot of beautiful women up there, uptown? Stunning. Models. It was models. Grace Jones would come hang out. 
Mm-hmm. Andy Warhol a Christmas party. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like this is the real McCoy now. Is Jack Nicholson was friends with David. Uh, a lot of celebrities. I think Jack up there. Nicholson wanted to interview me. He wanted to ask me questions. He was working. What movie was he in that he had to play in a time? Pritzi's Honor. Was it Pritzi's Honor? Was he in Pritzi's Honor? Uh, yeah. Yeah. With Angelica Houston. That's it. That's that time That's period. That's that time. He wanted to talk to me because David says, yeah, I know this young assistant that we have. You should talk to him. He's got that Guido thing going down perfectly. And so, but anyways, it was like, wow. So Barber and Great Nick. Madison Grace Avenue Jones. Stylist. Madison Avenue, man. Huh. And I was like, okay. When did, did Grace really become... When did you break up with Grace? Or did she break up with you? I broke up with her when she was in the beginning when we were, I was going to beauty school. I almost no. Really? I that broke, early? I broke up with her when she graduated high school. Right. And that devastated her. Because I wasn't there for her graduation from high school. She got depressed. Uh, at that point, I was, yeah, I was primetime assistant. Okay. Mojo. I was feeling high. You were a couple years older than her? We were this, a year. A year? Yeah. And so you were already an assistant when I she was, was graduating high school. Yeah. And I felt like, wow, that's a shitty thing to do. Because we were already going out then three and a half years. Oh, really? Yeah. So. What was the dad like? Did you oh, ever see was, him again? Was, he was like, like any dad would be broke my daughter's heart but you burned your bridge right yeah I burned that was it that was it that was the bridge by breaking up with her was my way of saying I'm not coming back I'm never ever going to come back guys was that a good choice do you think looking back on it now yeah Yeah. because I can see you I we we, you and I were not (laughs) I know and that would be a tragedy but I can see you flourishing in either spot and you was, wanted to act, the Pope right? Man, yeah. And then acting was really my, you know, again, you know, working with all these people, working with clients, some my age, younger, and like, what do you do? What do you do? What do you do? And, I'm, and that's, that was my education. So I had to make up all, all the education that was lacking in high school, all those years in high school, not going, college, all that. I had to make up. My brain all of a sudden said, you know what? This is a perfect time for you to like really learn what the world's about. Each client to me was a book. It wasn't a client, it was a book that I would just literally take out of a shelf and open up. What do you do? I'm a banker. Banker, oh cool. Tell me about it. You know, you know back yeah. and forth. Oh, I'm an art dealer. Oh, art dealer. Mom, you know, everything. And it was just, just talk and keep quiet. It was going in my brain, it was going. And, I, and then everyone kept saying, well, you look like Al Pacino, you learn, and I was hearing that shit for a long time anyway. Then I'm thinking, acting school, you know, I'm kind of acting here, this is acting, you know, it's Madison Avenue. Well, you definitely cha- have a net. I, think I had to change know. my identity because they changed my name what to was Anthony. Your name? Then they changed my name to Anthony. Who changed your name? The owners, the owner of this, you know, because oh, there was really? another Joseph uh-huh. in the salon, so they couldn't be two Joseph. Huh. And he was a C, he was a manager, they said, pick a name. And they said, we're gonna call you Anthony. So again, Double L train, the Canarsie line. The minute it rolled right into the first step into Manhattan, I, I would feel it in my body. It would be like, I was Joseph, and then all of a sudden, like, I became Anthony. Because the minute I would get out of the subway, hey, Anthony, hey, Anthony. Huh. So you're hearing it, it was like, 
<laughs> it was great. I mean, it was a double life. And that was the crossroad too. And that's when I went to, be, um, now I went to acting school for the first time mm-hmm. while I was in a, a stylist. Down in Tribeca. And yep. that was the crossroads. Because the crossroads, I was already doing half five years. And now I'm like, do I dabble into this career of acting? And I regret it. I took the road of what I know. So it's that saying, take, say, take the think? road. Because what are your shots? Even a talented, good-looking, charismatic you know, again, guy. I had my connections. I, you know, I was cutting a lot of casting agents at that time. Then I met Harvey Weinstein. Yeah. Hey, Harvey, put me in one of your movies. I, w- I auditioned for two movies that became pretty big. Yeah. And one, actually, Gwyneth Paltrow, her first movie that she did, which is The Paul Bearer. I was auditioning, and, they, and I was just being me. And they, and they said, Joe, they want you back. I'm like, no. No. Well, it but, seems to me that the job you have now is lucrative. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not telling you your no. life, but it also allows you to act still. I'm still acting. You're still a public person. I... But in a very grounded way. That's what I feel like is nice about it. I feel that way with teaching. Oh, my God. Like, I get to perform every day. I'm not famous. No one really cares about me. But that's good. No, we get to too. perform. But I'm thinking, hey, what... Do all jobs do you get to perform? You get to perform. Like, I wonder if doctors perform. Right? You know, you're, you're a teacher, you get to perform. Your, your audience is your students. Yeah. My audience is my clients, you know. So we have to be grateful. And so it's amazing that we get to perform this and say things cubicle. that we, it's, it's like. There's no way. It is, it is beautiful. And that's my buddy Joe, or Jojo as I call him. Just briefly, you know, Joe stuck to the Manhattan side of the East River. He met his wife while she was working at Billy Martin's Cowboy Boot Shop. He opened up his own salon downtown, Arte, now on Elizabeth Street, fathered and raised three girls, now women, and collected just a stack of stories on the way. If you see a well-dressed man, shoulder-length hair, a beard, a light blue tint glasses down in NoHo, odds are it's Joe. You see him, tell him hi from me, Cody.